This is KMTT. Today, on Mondays, we have a shear of Harav Yemen Tavori, who this year will be examining different responses, Shalotu Chuvot, from the major ones from the 18th and 19th century. Harav Tavori. This is KMTT. Today, on Mondays, we have a shear of Harav Yemen Tavori, who this year will be examining different responses from the major ones from the 18th and 19th century. Haraf Tavori. Today we will discuss the writings and life of Rabbi Avram Bornstein. This name might not be so familiar to people who are involved in the world of Torah, but when I say the name of the Sefer which he wrote, or the Sefarim which he wrote, he becomes better known. He's more known by the name of his Sefarim. The author of Egletal and the author of Avne Nezer. Rabbi Avram Bornstein was born in 1839. His father was a Rav in small towns of Bendin and Biala, and he grew up studying with his father. At a rather young age, he married the daughter of Menachem Mendel of Kotsk, the Kotsker. He learned with his father-in-law, spent six to ten years learning there, according to one version, six years, another version, ten years, and he learned at his father-in-law's house. In the introduction to his classic sefer, Egle Tal, Avram Bornstein wrote that he received his derech and learning from his father-in-law, the Kotsker. Well, it was well known, it is well known, what a great gadol the Avnei Nezer is. His Sfarim obviously demonstrate tremendous godless in Torah. People, especially Misnagdim, were not that respectful of the learning of many Hasidic Rebbes. In fact, Rav Zevin wrote an article which was printed recently in a new edition of his Sefer, Laura Halacha, about Gedolei Hasidus in Halacha, to show that an article that Rav Zevin wrote many years ago in Sinai, to show that many Hasidic Sherebis, in fact, he claims people that we, we definitely did not hold from in the world of learning, were actually great Gedolim. And one of the proofs he brought about the Kutzker is the fact that the Avnei Nezer, who is unquestionably a great Gadol, said that the Avnei, that his Rebbe, his father-in-law, the Kotzker, was actually his Rebbe in the world of Nigla, in the world of Torah. Rav Bornstein became a Rav in certain communities, in a few small communities. He was himself a Chassid of the Chidushi Harim, and the chassid of Reb Chanoch Alexander. <coughs> when Reb Chanoch Alexander was nifter, they asked Reb Avram to become the Rebbe. And he became the Rebbe, he established this court that's called Sochachov. The dynasty still exists to this day of the Sochachovers. He was a great Zionist, the Sochachover. In fact, Bait Vagan, the section of Yerushalayim, was first inhabited 
by Hasidim of Sachachav, and the Sachachav base Madrash still exists in Bayit Vagan till this day. In 1898, <coughs> the Avnin tried to buy land in Eretz Israel. Unfortunately, he was not successful because of certain laws of the, of the Turks at the time, but he really showed himself to be a great lover of Eretz Israel. One of the Chuvos in his, his Sefer, Avdeinezer, in Yeridea, is about the laws of Yeshivat Eretz Israel. To show his love for Eretz Israel, I'd like to point out some of the more salient points of the Chuva. Firstly, he discusses the machlokas between the Rambam and the Ramban, that the Ramban counted mitzvah Yeshiv Yisrael as a mitzvah, and the Rambam did not. The Sochachever goes on to show that the Rambam paskined also that it's mitzvah Yeshiv Yisrael, but it's in, included in a different type of mitzvah. For example, he says, there's a mitzvah to remove all the non-Jews from Eretz Yisrael is because we have to settle Eretz Yisrael. So he claims that the Rambam included the mitzvah of Yishev Eretz Yisrael under the general category of Achareim Tachamimim. He definitely thinks that the mitzvah applies at now as well, not only in the time of the Beis HaMikdash or the time of Yoshua, etc. And he argues with Megillus Esther about this point. But he says clearly that there is a mitzvah b'zman But he had one problem that he began with. If it really is the chovah, how could we say that Gdole Yisrael, many great gedolim, a mevatel, a mitzvah like this, which the Ramban said is equivalent to the entire Torah? This in general is a, an approach of the Avni Nezer we have to find a way to show what the halacha is, but nevertheless to justify people who disagree with that particular halacha. And here, he goes on to explain why the mitzvah Yishev Eretz Yisrael was not fulfilled by certain people. And he claims, that the real mitzvah of Yishev Eretz Yisrael is to receive parnasa from yourself in Eretz Yisrael. And he has this whole idea that there's a special connection, a direct connection between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and people who live in Eretz Yisrael. HaKadosh Baruch Hu helps them directly in their Parnassah, whereas in Chutz Laretz, there's some intermediary that works between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and the people to receive Parnassah. And the idea is to receive this Parnassah directly. If a Jew would live in Eretz Yisrael, but would not have any source of Parnassah in Eretz Yisrael. But he receives money from Chutzar, it's what they called at that time Chalukah. He said, that's not considered Yishev Eretz Yisrael. And that's the reason that many Gedolim did not go in Aliyah. It's true that people would have sent them money, and they would have bought and been part of the commerce of Eretz Yisrael. Nevertheless, that's considered in his phrase, they're connected to Chutzaretz, and they did not really fulfill the mitzvah of Yishev Eretz Yisrael. He also goes on to say, to discuss the issues of that people raised 
when there are about the Shavuos, that you should not go to live in Eretz Israel. And he explains that this does not apply to people who have permission, does not apply to individuals, and therefore he says that it's certainly a mitzvah. He does, however, say that the mitzvah is similar to the mitzvah of tzitzis in the respect that there's no chiyuv directly to go in aliyah. If a person does go in aliyah, it's like wearing a bag of abakantos. We also remember that the Gemara says that if a person does not wear tzitzis at the time when a Kaddish Baruch somehow, I would say in English, is in a bad mood, in the Gemara's words, bi'idna deritcha, in a time of anger, we get punished even for not fulfilling the mitzvah of tzitzis. So perhaps we could say the same thing about Yishev Yisrael. He said, well, not so clear, but nevertheless, if you have permission from a government to go, there's a mitzvah to go, but, but with one caveat, to live in a place where there is kibbutz anashim Yisrael aksherim. He does not mean Israeli kibbutz. He means a place, a city, a place where there are religious people living there. This tshuva, which is obviously a very pro-Zionistic tshuva about living and working in Eretz Israel, is summarized very briefly in a tshuva, in the next tshuva, Tav Nun Hei, where he answered someone who sent him a kuntris about what he wrote. And he said, today there is parnasa in Eretz Israel. Therefore, we do not need to receive Chaluk of Merit Israel. And in my opinion, I'm summarizing basically what it said in Tafnun Hay, which is a very, very brief summary of the original Tshuva. The importance is of mitzvah Eretz Israel. Yishev Israel is to receive Parnassah. To, to buy land in Eretz Israel is very, very important, especially if it's a source of Parnassah. And then he goes on to say a big Chiddush. Even if a person would live in Chutzaretz, but he would buy land in Eretz Yisrael, it's considered Ksat Yeshiva Eretz Yisrael. Since the, he owns a Nachla in Eretz Yisrael, it's some sort of a Kiyum of Yeshiva Eretz Yisrael. And therefore he said, you should really work very hard to do this. And then he adds what we know from his biography, Belineder writes the I'm going to try to buy land in Eretz Israel. I don't know exactly how and when I can do it, but that's my plan. As I said before, the Avnei here shows himself in the world of Halacha, and the world of Maaseh, to be a true Zionist. We'll discuss today some of the Tshuvos from Orachayim. I'd like specifically to discuss some of the Tshuvos where he discusses the prevalent customs of that were somehow changed or adapted by Hasidim and how he tries to work in a way to show that on one hand the Hasidish approach seems to be correct, but nevertheless the uh, people who do not follow this approach have uh, reasons to maintain their opinion. In the second shuva of Arachayim, the Avni Nezer was asked about putting on tefillin and cholamoid. Now we've seen in previous podcasts that the custom was 
not to put on tefillin, was to put on tefillin. In certain communities, especially, we discussed the tshuva in the German community, where there was a tshuva, their custom was to put on tefillin, on cholamoy, and a new custom, perhaps it's really the Hasidic custom, although I mentioned at the time that the Vilna Gaon also did not put on tefillin cholamoy, but apparently the hashpa was based on the Hasidic uh, custom of not putting a tefillin cholamoyed, and that I've, we are certain German poskim were adamant that we have to continue the original custom. Nevertheless, the Avni Nezer has a, has a question about putting on tefillin cholamoyed. He first had a lengthy discussion, which discusses the sugya of writing tefillin cholamoyed. Now. It would seem that the whole sugya of writing tefillin cholamoid would have ramification for wearing tefillin cholamoid because why would you be allowed to wear to, to write tefillin if they're not considered tzorach There's also a gemara in Beitza. The gemara says anything kol bachol, something that's used in chol, you can send on yamtov. Now the question is, what chol means? Does chol mean cholamoid or mean a weekday? Is it include tefillin? Not include tefillin? So the Avnei Nezer has a long discussion about this. But what I thought very interesting about this tshuva is the following uh, paragraph of tshuva base, which I will uh, translate and somewhat summarize. I now, after this long discussion about writing tefillin cholamoid, the Avnei Nezer said, I've now satisfied the uh, people who say, to reject the proofs that a person must put on tefillin cholamoid. But now let's discuss the real halacha. Do you put on tefillin on chalamoid or not? So firstly, he says, it's very difficult for me to say that this halacha will not be clarified in Torah Nigles. Now, of course, he's referring to the fact that in the Zohar, it says that you do not put on tefillin chalamoid. In fact, the Beis Yosef quotes the Zohar as saying, it's ktsitzas hanatios, it's almost apikarsis to put on tefillin chalamoid. But of course, that's a Kabbalistic source. And the Abinezi says, it's not possible that in the Torah, the essence of our Torah is what we call Nigle, that with this is the way we paskin. It is true that there is Nistar, the world of Kabbalah, which is made only for specific, special type of people. It's impossible that Allah would only be from the Zohar. The idea of Kabbalah is Nishmas Torah, but the Gufa Torah is what we call Nigle. So therefore, you've got to find in Nigle, which is the body of Torah, you have to find the source. Now, since the Zohar paskened what it did, we must have a source for it in Talmud Bavli. On the other hand, it's impossible to think that there is no source in the Gemara that says is not the time is the time is not the time of tefillin. it's impossible someone must say that you do put on tefillin chalamoid because otherwise everybody who put on tefillin would be considered making a gross mistake and that's not possible apparently before the Zohar everybody put on tefillin on chalamoid so Chas Hashem would say everybody's wrong impossible it's impossible that Rabbi Shimba Yochai in one way, everybody disagreed with him. So, 
he's he starts off with assuming that there must be a machlokas in the Babylonian Talmud, in Talmud Bafli, to explain if you, a machlokas about this point. And the Abnezer then writes, Baruch Hashem, after a great deal of effort, I found a way to paskin like the Shas, but nevertheless to show an opinion that Cholamoid is as mantfilin. Even though there's a machlokas hatanoim, and this is what I wrote. He goes to write a lengthy exposition of explaining his opinion versus Tfilin Cholamoid, and the summary is I've proven that Tfilin should not be put in Cholamoid because it has Kedushas Hayom, and it's also to do Malacha on Cholamoid, and has Kedushas Hayom. Interestingly enough, this is what Rav Salavechik wrote in Shiurim Lezeich Abamari, that the briskers followed the tradition that there's Kedushas Hayom, there's Isra Melach and Chalamayid, and therefore you do not put on tefillin. The Adnanezer said that even according to the Rambam, even if you would, you would assume that Chalamayid is not Asr B'Melach HaMedaraisa, first of all, he says, we don't pass like the Rambam, but even according to the Rambam, he thinks that tefillin is not the proper time for, for uh, Chalamayid is not a proper time for tefillin, and it seems to me that it's clear psak that Cholamoid we do not put on film. Nevertheless, he said there are tanoim. He went through this long exposition to show that there are people who pask in that way, and therefore both opinions are legitimate, but the correct halach in his opinion would be not to put on film Cholamoid. A similar approach would be found in Tshuva Chavtes. There, again, the custom seems to be a Hasidic custom that was brought to, an, to a Misnagdash community. In the Hasidic world, saying Tachnun on a regular day includes saying Yud Gimomidos. And in many shuls, especially Ashkenazi shuls, they don't say Yud Gimomidos daily. So the question was raised a, a certain person who was in Avelis went to Davin for the Amud in a an Ashkenazi shul. Apparently, a Misnagdash shul, not Hasidish. And he said, you gimel midos. So many of the people got up and said, you cannot change the Minagva community because many great Rabbanim did it before. You cannot question their authority. They apparently passed and you do not say, you gimel midos. <coughs> and he brought a source that you 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 should not say, Yud Gimomidos, and he said, don't change the minic. So he said, no, this has nothing to do with what we're talking about. After davening, a person can add whatever he wants. Isn't it true that we add a Lokai Nitzar? Isn't it true that in our communities, at the time of Davne Nezer, certainly today, people say Vidu and Yom Kippur from all kinds of sheets and lists, and they make up all kinds of, of, of extra prayers. He says, I know, even if you're not Mechayiv Benadin, you're allowed to do it. Why wouldn't you consider that Zilzul in Kvod Arishon? Why wouldn't you say that somehow desecrating the custom of the original people, desecrating their memory? He says, no, because everybody agrees you're allowed to say it. So, that has nothing to do with Yerushalmi, which discussed interrupting in the middle of Tefillah. So, something that said after Shemon is not a problem. 
even the fact that you're saying the Yud Gimel Midos, which are Shvachim of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he says there's no Chashash at all. He says, however, backwards would be a problem. If there were to be a community where they said Yud Gimel Midos, and a person came and said that he does not want to say Yud Gimel Midos, that would be a break of custom. Even if the custom of saying Yud Gimel Midos was relatively new, nevertheless, people accepted it. Like people accepted Marif. And therefore, you should continue the minute of saying Yud Gimel Midos. But if a community did not say Yud Gimel Midos, you could add Yud Gimel Midos. So then, he said, both customs are really, really true. You could omit Yud Gimel Midos, but it's fitting to say Yud Gimel Midos. And once that minig was accepted, it's a fine minig. But then he points out one very interesting idea. All this we're talking about is Me'ikar Adin. Can you say Yud Gimel Midos? You're allowed to add something to the tefillah after tefillah. But what about the fact that the people were upset about this? Then he says, you're not allowed to do it. You're a shleach tzibur. Shleach tzibur can only do what they want him to do. He cannot extend tefillah. That might be an issue of tirchad tzibur. Maybe they don't want it. And there are reasons not to say the vidui. So, if the community wants and the rabbi wants, it would be a good idea to say you'd give me this. And no problem about, you know, changing a customs. It's not chasfarad, it's not ashkenaz, it has nothing to do with it. Today, in many communities, in Eretz Yisrael, for example, it makes no difference if you have an ashkenaz chasfarad. In, in the shul of Alon Shvut, in our shuls, we say you'd give me this every day by Shachris. It's the interesting custom in Alon Shvut. We say it Shachris, but not at Mincha. But if there's no minig, so he says, you can do whatever you want. If people disagree, it's important to remember not to create a machlokas. Again, we see how the Avnei discussed a minig that became adapted as a Hasidish minig, but nevertheless tried to explain the uh, custom of the people who did not follow this custom as well. Since we're in the month of Adar now, I'd like to discuss a few chuvos to deal with Purim. One of the chuvos in Chelek Beis, uh, by the way, one of the reasons that uh, I'm skipping most of Chelek Aleph uh, is because most of Chelek Aleph deals with Hilchel Shabbos in a sense as a continuation of the Egletal. As we all know, the Egletal did not finish the Lamates Malachos. So the work that he did in the first Malachos, Sidur the Pas, is known in yeshivas. It's, of course, uh, one of the Nichsei Tzonu Barzal. It's one of the main sources of learning Hilcha Shabbos is to use the Egletal. But on the rest of the Malachos, unfortunately, he did not build the same type of uh, Sefer of Egletal, but in the Tshuvas of the Avnenezer, a great deal is found about the other Malachos that were not found in the Egletal. So we'll skip to some some halachas to do with Purim in the second Pchelik of Arachayim. I must point out that the Avnenezer is printed today in four, but generally printed in four volumes. The first volume of Arachayim has close to a thousand shuvas in it altogether. In in the Arachayim, in Shuva Tav Kuf Yotes, there's a Shuva 
I'm sorry, Tshuva Tav Kuftes, the Tshuva is about women and Parsha Zachar. Now, it's well known that the Sefer HaChinuch discussing the mitzvah of reading or remembering mitzvah, the mitzvah of Zichras HaMolek says women are not obligated in this mitzvah because women do not have to go to war and therefore they're part of from the mitzvah of Zichras HaMolek. Many people have, have attacked this point of the Sefer HaChinuch. Nevertheless, I would like to point out that the only Rishon that I know that discusses this issue is the Sefer HaChinuch, and he is the one that says women are exempt from Parsha Zohar. The Sefer the, the Avni Nezer asked, but there is a mitzvah on women to kill the seven nations. Shivas Amimim, that we are mechuyif to kill, when we entered Eretz Yisrael, of course, this mitzvah no longer applies. The, the Sefer HaChinuch said, Noheg b'scharmu b'nekevos, it applies to men and women. So why should Mechias HaMalek be different? And other people have pointed this out before. So the Avnenezer discusses the difference between the mitzvah of, of the seven nations and the mitzvah of Mechias HaMalek. Mechias HaMalek, he says, is referring to something that happened in the past. It's something in the future. Because we want to, want to, I'm sorry, Mechias HaMalek is for the past. Because we want to revenge Amalek. The mitzvah of Shivas Amimim is in the future. Because the Torah says, Liman asher lo etchem. They're basically different halachas completely. And he said that the mitzvah of Harigas Shivas Amimim is a mitzvah which is chal on women and men. The mitzvah Mechias HaMolek, he says, is a din in Muhamma. Because he says a very interesting thing. It's not chayiv, it's a mitzvah to say man grama because it doesn't apply on Shabbos. At the time of Milchama, it would be even on Shabbos. But generally, the mitzvah of Mechias HaMolek is day to day, whenever you can have a chance to kill Amalek. That is not considered a mitzvah that you do on Shabbos, and therefore it's man grama. It's a tremendous, tremendous chiddush to discuss that something that's done a whole week, but not done on Shabbos, is considered zman grama, and mechias hamalek is not chal on Shabbos. Very big chiddush. Other people have attacked the Sefer Chinuch for other reasons. The Minchas Chinuch, for example, has said, who told you that the mitzvah of Zechira Samalek and Mechia Samalek are connected. The Torah said to remember the mitzvah of Amalek, who said that the mitzvah is in order to destroy them. Maybe it's a mitzvah to remember Amalek, to study history, to, under, to remember the concept of evil in the world. Some others have argued, maybe even if women aren't obligated Mechia Samalek, but if they remember Amalek, they'll incite the men to fulfill the mitzvah. Maybe they're going to be part of the mitzvah. So, this has become a big source of discussion whether women are chayv and mechias hamalek. Many people have written long articles about that. We just pointed out that according to the uh, Avni Nezer, mechias hamalek is a mitzvah saseh shazman grama, and women are not obligated. Well, 
Partly because of that, we'll discuss the next tshuva. In Tov Kuf Yud Aleph, the question was discussed about the opinion of the of the Bahag, who said that women do not cannot read the Torah, cannot read the Megillah to fulfill the obligation for men. Now we know that the general explanation is that women are chayev in Shmias Megillah, but women, men are not, are chayev in Kriyasa Megillah. This uh, distinction itself requires a great deal of analysis. Why should women be chayev only in Shmia, whereas men should be chayev in Kriya? He points out that we fulfill the mitzvah of Megillah by listening to the Megillah. Now, Shomea Ka'one. In Shomea Ka'one, there's no concept of Pirsum Hanes. A person who listens to something, he's not creating the Pirsumanes. It's only the person that's reading it that's fulfilling the myths of Pirsumanes. So he questions, how can you really fulfill the Megillah when, if the myths would be Pirsumanes? So he explains that the mitzvah of, of Kriyasa Megillah has in it two elements. This aspect this uh, approach has been the approach of many, many people to dis- to explain the opinion of the Bahag. Everyone who tries to explain the opinion of the Bahag basically says there's another halacha in Kriyasa Megillah. Besides the basic halacha of, of Megillah, there's another halacha. And they try to explain that women are chayev only in one, men are chayev in both. And the one that women are chayev in creates the of Shmiah, whereas the extra one that men are mechayev is the mitzvah of, of which would create the chiyuv of kriya? He says the, the Avnezer, based on what we've just discussed before, that the mitzvah of kriyas megillah is based on zechiras amalek to remember amalek, and that would create the concept of pirsimhanes of remembering. And women, since we just pointed out that women are not mechuyav in kriya in. Um, in Zechiras Amalek. So, therefore, they're not chayav in, in the mitz, in, in Mikra Megillah. So, he said, perhaps there is Pristamanes in reading the Megillah. Why can't she be Yotzei, Motzi men in the Megillah? Because the Chiyuv is based on Mechias Amalek. And you would say because of that they have to read the Yotze because but the women are Yotze even without Shemiah Kaone because they're reading the Megillah, they hear the Megillah. And he brings an example of this proof. The issue of women reading the Megillah itself has become a great topic of conversation, a topic of writing, a topic of debate. And of course, today many, many people have written to explain why women cannot read. Are, according to the Bahag, are, cannot be Motsi men. And then, of course, the discu- discussion came up, could women be Motsi women? And which led to a great uh, discussion about this, which uh, people can find in many sources, in many modern halachic works.